Welcome to the Spreaker Live Show, episode number six for July 8th, 2015. And I'm Rob Greenlee. I'm the head of content at Spreaker at Spreaker.com. And I have on the, the, the line with me on Skype, a very well-known podcaster that's been doing podcasting and and actually live audio and video streaming for uh, for a very long time. His name is Andrew Zarian. He's the founder and um, many show hosts, I think he's up to four now, shows that he's involved in on, on his own network called the GFQ Network at gfqnetwork.com. And uh, so uh, he's doing a couple of uh, other live shows that maybe you've heard about before. It's called uh, uh, What the Tech. And uh, so, Andrew, welcome to the show. Hey, Rob, thanks for having me. Uh, I don't think I've ever been a guest on anything that you are doing. I, I, I know we've done a Todd show a couple times, but this is the first time that I'm doing something exclusively with you on your show. Uh, you've done my stuff a bunch of times, so I'm excited to be here. Yeah, it's great to it's great to have you on. I know you've had me on many of your um, shows over the years, and I I definitely appreciate that. That's great. <laughs> Thank you. I, I mean, listen, you're you're the man when it comes to this. You're at all the events. You're always at New Media Expo, and you're doing uh, the podcast movement. So, uh, and it's very easy to spot you in a, in a crowd of people. <laughs> Why is that, Andrew? I can't imagine. Uh, you I uh, see, I'm not that tall. I'm only I like to lie and say I'm five ten on a good day, but I'm really five nine. So you're like a giant next to me. So I just have to look up and I'm like, oh, there's Rob. I can find him. But anybody <laughs> over six feet tall is a giant next to me. Okay. It's not too hard. <laughs> hey, so you you can find this show uh, just really just by going to SpreakerLiveShow.com. It's actually, I I got that domain a couple weeks ago and it, it, it points to our, our page on, on Spreaker at Spreaker.com. So you can, you can definitely, um, you know, go check that out. Um, well, Andrew, why don't you tell us a bit about uh, your GFQ network? Why don't you go into a little bit more detail on that and how you kind of got that started and how many shows you're doing, what the shows are about. Um, and I know you're calling us from Queens, New York, right? Yeah, uh, I'm born and raised in Queens, our, our company, you know, with the GFQ network now, but we originally started as the guys from Queens. It was just, uh, you know, a fun podcast I was doing with one of my buddies that's a stand-up comic, uh, Casey Aurora here in New York. Uh, we, we just started doing it for fun. We knew nothing about podcasting. We knew nothing about audio. We knew nothing about video. Uh, and it was a total train wreck for a while. And, uh, you know, it just grew from there. And now we have about 10, 11 shows a week that we put on live uh, almost every single day. I do about four of them now. Uh, I used to do more, but I've kind of pulled back with the stuff that I'm doing on the network. And we've brought in more hosts and, and more co-hosts to kind of manage uh, the content on the network but we, we're doing we cover everything from technology to hair loss to professional wrestling to uh even you know interviewing other podcasters and internet broadcasters so we we try to have something for everybody mm -hmm. which in some ways is kind of unusual in the podcasting space uh, to have a network that's really really diverse across lots of lots of genres most of the the podcast networks that are formed out there are very kind of vertical in their orientation of topics and genre you know like the the twit network that's all you know geek tech stuff um, but you've kind of gone kind of broad and i think that's kind of been to my mind that that's really made you guys kind of stand out yeah it was kind of under, out of necessity you know i'm not a i'm not an expert in anything i'm more of an enthusiast you know i'm a tech enthusiast i'm an audio enthusiast mm -hmm. uh you know i'm a, I'm a movie enthusiast so I, I don't know enough to cover every aspect of it and do multiple types of shows 
So uh, and also, you know, we needed people to fill in the blanks. You know, we we had a lot of spots open, and when we said, okay, we're going to do a network, and we I think we had like three shows. Uh, you know, it was just the people around me and my buddies and and their friends uh, that we just had a couple drinks. I'm like, hey, you want to do a podcast? Yeah, I want to do a podcast. What are you interested in? I like cars. I like wrestling. I'm you know, I, I, I liked this certain TV show. I'm like, hey, let's do a podcast. And that's kind of how we built it. And it's kind of worked for us because we have, you know, all different types of viewers that kind of come in from all different, you know, countries and all different mm-hmm. cities. So we've really become a, a true broad network. Uh, you know, our core is technology. We still have a number of tech shows. We have, you know, two, three tech shows on the network. But for every tech show that we have, we have something that's counter-programming that kind of you know fills in the gap, so we don't become a tech network. Sure, sure. Well, well, Andrew, let's let's talk a little bit about what we're going to cover in the show this week. Um, so we're going to get some expert advice from from Andrew here about uh, you know how to build maybe at a real kind of superficial level how to build a podcast network and kind of what he's learned from that. And we're also going to find out what's what's going on with Spreaker's listeners. So we're going to get some some data and stats about the distribution of um, uh, streaming live versus podcasting or on demand. And we're also going to cover a conversation that I had with uh, Spreaker CEO Francisco Bashieri, who's going to talk a little bit about his panel experience uh, at. Uh, back in Barcelona, Spain at the Gen Summit and where he was on a panel with the producer of Serial, which um, we all know of if you're familiar with podcasting that had a big success out there. So we're, we're going to speak with Francesco about all that. And then we also got a comment from um, a speaker user or podcaster, Jim Callison, who uh, is a co-host uh, with David Jackson on uh, Ask a Podcast Coach, and that, that airs on Spreaker every Saturday morning. So he had a, had a question for us. And th- this show basically is offering tips and, and news advice and, and things like that to help make you more successful um, as a podcaster on the Spreaker platform or really any other platform. It airs uh, Wednesday at noon Pacific, or not at noon, but 3 p.m. Pacific and 6 p.m. Eastern. And uh, the, the show's available in all the, all the normal places, in iTunes and Stitcher. So feel free to send the questions or send any questions or comments um, to me, uh, podcasts at Spreaker.com, or send them directly to me, uh, rob at Spreaker.com. Uh, or you can use our hashtag SpreakerLive on our at Spreaker account. Um, and if you have a tech support uh, question, uh, send that to support at Spreaker.com. Well, Andrew, let's let's jump in and kind of talk a little bit about a little bit more detail about your your podcast network and and um, you know as you look back on it, I mean, you, I mean so how many years you've been operating this th- this podcast network? Has it been f- uh, four years, five years? Since two thousand and nine. Two thousand nine. Okay. Yeah. So it's been so about, about six years. About six years. Yeah. Okay. It, we just hit six years a couple of months ago. Okay. So yeah. As you think back on it, I mean, is there any th- key things that um, that you went through in that process of starting up that uh, you could share with us in, in hindsight? Any kind of um, things that a new person might be able to, to glean from your, your experience? Yeah, on, on a technical aspect, um, I knew nothing about this. Uh, I've, uh, you know, I, I have somewhat of a tech background, but it wasn't in audio, it wasn't in video. And uh, I wish 
I used the resources that were available at the time because I would have saved a lot of money. I would have saved a lot of headaches and a lot of time, uh, you know, setting things up. I didn't know anybody to ask. And, you know, there's a number of resources out there. Uh, the Facebook groups are great. You know, the, the Google groups are great. Uh, there's a lot of resources that you could use, and people are always willing to help you out. I wasn't aware that these, you know, at the time, a lot of it didn't exist, but there were still resources that you could utilize and, and reach out to and uh, kind of, you know, learn from. I didn't do any of that. So everything that I picked up, I learned on my own, and I kind of made all the mistakes that you would. I spent way too much money. I bought the wrong things. I set up my audio wrong. I set up my video wrong. Uh, lighting was a disaster. So I would have saved a lot of time and money and effort if I had actually reached out to, com- to the community and made friends you know, in a way and kind of gotten help. Because, I mean, the, the, the thing about podcasting and internet broadcasting is that there is always someone there to answer your question, no matter what time of day it is. I mean, it's amazing how much this, this group has grown and, and the small little community that is filled with podcasters have, have grown. Uh, there's always someone to help you. So ask. You know, if you don't yeah. know the answer, just ask. Yeah, and I think that there's a lot of, I mean, I agree with you. There's a lot of resources out there that, um, and, and and a lot of people in this space um, are, are are very friendly with each other. It's a very close-knit community um, that, that likes to help each other. And that's that's been the, the, the case for years and years. And, and I know that's a big reason why, you know, you and I know each other is because we've, we have the same philosophy. We, we like to 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 be available and out there and be a, be a part of the, the actual community. Um, so I mean, as you look at kind of your your content selection and your your advertising business, what, what is the, the the key things that you need to think about if you want to actually start a podcast network? I mean, is there is it really important what the the genres of of content is to be able to go after advertising and be able to monetize? Yeah, at first I would have said no. I think if you, my answer a couple of years ago would have been if you do a good enough job, you'll get the viewers and you'll get the advertisers. But I think that's kind of changing because there's so much competition now. And what I'm noticing is that the niche podcasts are doing way better with a smaller audience than a larger podcast is doing that covers a broad variety of topics. Uh, one of our most profitable shows on the network is a very niche audience that has a fraction of the viewership that my, you know, one of my big ones, that What the Tech does, for example. What the Tech, you know, it has advertisers and it's targeting the tech group, but uh, this show is very niche and it only targets a certain group of people, but the ad revenue coming in from that is tremendous because of the people that it's marketing, Mm -hmm. uh, that it's targeting. It's a very isolated group and the advertisers know that there's nothing else like that that's covering this topic and that's going to be able to promote their products. So they advertise with us and we've had the same advertisers for the last three years on the show. Yeah. I think it's a big, it's a huge difference between broadcast radio, right. And, and podcasting in that way, right. The, the, the niche topics are, 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 are what the, the real drivers are. And, and I spent a lot of years doing kind of, you know, a fairly targeted show, but you know, on tech and things like that, but, but it was also, um, and, and I think that that was kind of the key, and it didn't always fit on radio, though. So uh, it was a difficult fit. Um, you know, it was always considered kind of lifestyle programming at that point. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, tech. I mean, tech yeah. was. I mean, and you think about it, uh, tech was considered one of those, right? Tech was a niche, pot, yeah. niche broadcast on radio, and now it's it's a, it's one of the big ones on on in the podcasting world. So. Oh, yeah. 
it, it just shows you that you know things are evolving and things are different. But to kind of go back to what you were saying, I would the first decision you should make is it's going to do this because it's your passion. Do this because you enjoy it. Do this because you're having fun. Don't do it because you think that you're going to make a living off of this. Mm-hmm. That's the wrong way to look into it. Look into getting into podcasting. It's a very difficult business. It's it's the same as saying I'm going to go and become an actor and become a Hollywood star. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's hard to break through. It's going to take a while. You know, I get emails all the time from people saying, you know, I've been doing this for about a year now and I'm not making any money. And, you know, you kind of you have to tell them nicely. Listen, it's a very tough thing. You got to look at your audience. You got to look at would you advertise on your own podcast? If you had a business, if you were selling something, would you get the most bang for your buck by giving you money? If it's, you know, you're, you're looking at, at it from the outside. Mm-hmm. And most of the time, the answer is going to be no. You're not going to get that return. So do it because you enjoy it. And if it rolls into something and you do it enough and you get enough of a viewership, the money will come in. There's yeah. plenty of money out there from average. I mean, every, every month there's a new company getting into the podcasting world that wants to advertise and spend their money. So if you do it long enough and you do it consistently enough and you have an audience, uh, the money's going to come in. Worry about the money last. Worry about you know, content creation, consistency, uh, building your audience, you know, things yeah. like that before you talk about the money. Yeah, and it could take a, it, it could take a couple of years of consistent content production to, to scale to the point where you can probably start making some money. Um, I mean, it's, it's probably a little easier, maybe somewhat, to get advertising now than it was probably back when you started. Yeah, way uh, easier. Way yeah, easier. It's just, but you've been around for so long and you've established a, a reputation and you've got consistent shows and your quality is outstanding. And, and I think uh, that that's the key. And speaking of that, um, I mean, I think one thing that's quite different from from what you're doing compared to a lot of podcasters is that you're really heavily involved in video um, and and doing live video um, also. Um, do you think that's a competitive differentiation that that, that helps you on the audio side too? Uh, I, I think it's a little advantage. Uh, not, not when it comes to the advertisers. The advertisers really don't care if I'm doing live video or not. Uh, all they care is about numbers at the end of the day, right? They, we mm-hmm. still don't make any money from the live broadcast. Uh, it's very difficult to kind of make the money from the live broadcast because the analytics really are not that great when it comes to live. They don't yeah. know when they're downloading it or how many people are listening at any given time. You know, it's kind of hard to measure that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I look at it as... Just I'm marketing myself. You know, people ask me, well, like, for example, we do live content and we're on Ustream. We're on almost every one of those companies. And they ask me, why? Why are you on all those companies? Why are you just not doing one feed? And the answer for me is it's a billboard. You're putting yourself out there. If yeah. you pick up five or, t- or ten or twenty people a month, that's, those are viewers that you would not have reached just by just being on iTunes or just being on one service. Be on as many platforms as you can. Uh, it's, it's, it's just a billboard, you know, at one point someone's going to click and if they like you, they're going to listen. If they don't like you, they're just going to pass, you know, and, and go to something else. Yeah. Um, but the live video was always an advantage for us in the beginning because not too many people were doing it and we were doing, you know, a higher resolution video at the time. Yeah. Uh, you know, we've invested some money in this, uh, but if I was just doing a podcast, for example, it, I would be making the same amount of money as I do having live video and having the cameras. It, it, there's, the money's not there yet for live. I, I'm not saying it won't be, but at this moment, the advertisers really don't look at any of my live numbers for anything. Okay. So, so live is, is probably only good for, for audience engagement? 
Is that? Yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. So we have a live chat room. So we, you know, mm-hmm. we talk to the audience. It's good to build the community. But I actually, I enjoy doing live more than I do pre-recorded stuff. Uh, I have a very difficult time doing pre-recorded content. If you put a camera on me and you tell me we're not live, I'm going to go humming a humming a, you know, and, and not be able to spit it out. Doing it live almost for me is, uh, you know, it's that, it's that high that I get from doing a show. Yeah, it's an uh, adrenaline rush, people. right? It is. It's, it it's it totally bit, is. Yeah. Yeah, it, it totally is. And I really like the engagement. I like the multitasking. I like seeing what the chat is saying. I like messing up. I, 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 I think there's something genuine to keeping it as raw as possible. Uh, and I think that helps connect with the audience. You know, Leo was, uh, Leo Lepore was one of the first ones to do this kind of, you know, 24-7 voyeuristic feel in the studio for podcasters. Before that, you know, the Howard Stern Show did it for, for a number of years on, on E! So I kind of like that feel. Um, I, I do it for my own selfish reasons to perform better uh, and to kind of build a community. But as far as monetizing, you know, it's kind of hard to do that with, with what we're doing. It's long-form content. And, you know, you see it all the time. People saying, well, long-form content is not going to sell. You want to be on YouTube. You want to make a three-minute video. But I, I think there's something to this. There's still something here that's going to happen. Yeah. Well, I'm hopeful that uh, live, you know, and, and what what we're doing at Spreaker is very much focused on live. You know, just this show is an example of it. Um, and and like, like you say, the, the, the numbers are not huge on the, the whole live part. But if you can get some audience engagement that can contribute to the conversation, you know, the 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 live streaming um, capability that the Spreaker platform has does have chat capability, so you can have that audience connection and engagement, um, and that's a big uh, kind of differentiator for what we're doing at at Spreaker compared to a lot of the other podcasting platforms is that it's built I, in. Yeah, I think with live, uh, live is really going to become a necessity, in my opinion. Uh, I could be wrong when we have more, uh, you know internet content in the vehicle, in the car. When this happens, I think live is going to be the advantage. The fact that you, it, you know, it's not convoluted. You don't have to download it. Everything is just going to be built in. You know your app. You just click you know, the Spreaker feed on your, on your you know, console on your car, and you, now you have your, your live show, whatever you want to listen to. I think when that happens, live is going to be the way to go, and on-demand content will be kind of secondary for a lot of people. Um, the fact that we're doing this at this very moment, you know, it's six o'clock here on the East Coast, uh, you know, says something if I'm listening. It, it builds more of a connection with the audience. But it's still a tiny little group of people that are able to do it, that are able to listen to you. Yeah, uh, I think I, it's only going to grow from here. Uh, you know, I, a couple more years, it may be a totally different playing field. And, you know, we'll be talking about how more people are listening live or, it, it, you know, the numbers are totally changing and it's shifting towards the live uh, audience that rather than on demand. Well, it seems like that there, that there is a movement that way. If you look at, uh, it, you know, the, the live video streaming Meerkat and, and uh, Periscope and things like that, there, there does appear to be kind of momentum behind live, live capability again. And I'm not sure if that's going to translate to audio quite as much, but, but you're right. I mean, once we get in the car, that's what people are more used to is kind of that, that kind of uh, drive time kind of live broadcast. And, I mean, you, you, you yeah. came from terrestrial radio, so you actually could engage with the audience. You could engage with the listeners. And I think that's lacking from podcasts you know we're starting to see more people do skype calls and uh things like that but as far as live content the the benefit of doing live is that a viewer could call in to your show you could actually engage with them uh and we really don't have that on most podcasts right now uh most podcasts are not doing that because we don't have the ability to do it 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Well, Andrew, let's let's move on and let's talk about some data that uh, Speaker recently put out on on uh, what's um, happening with the audience and listening on the actual Speaker platform. So we we, we made a blog post uh, that basically was sharing a you know some data about um, what's what's been happening with live streaming and on demand consumption. And so what we're finding is is that we've got um, a increase in kind of time spent listening here over the last six months that, that went from 25 minutes in November up to 28 minutes. So that's the that, that's the total time um, that's spent listening on a on an average basis across the whole platform. So you're looking at about 28 minutes uh, of of content is is what's typically listened to um, on demand, um, but uh, but that number is a little bit higher um, as you look at um, live. So live is about 34, 35 minutes that the, the average listener will listen to of a live broadcast. So you can see a little bit of a trend line around uh, people do tend to listen more to live. And I'm not sure if it's because it's more of a lean back thing, right? They, they turn it on and, and it's more like what they're used to with like, like radio, right? Um, you know, what the dynamic is there. Uh, I don't know. What's your thought on that? Why there's probably more consumption on a per session basis on live versus on demand? I, I would imagine it's a combi- combination of it's a lean back thing where you just put it on, you're doing your work. But I also think it's uh, dedication, right? You're, the viewer that's tuning in live will uh, will most likely sit there for the entirety of that show because they've taken the time out. You know, it, it's it's not that they're downloading and they're going to listen whenever they they can. They're actually coming and listening at that very moment. So I yep. think it's a little bit more of a – and I don't want to say it's, a, it's a more of a committed audience, but I think it's – they're on your time. You're, you're opposed to you being on their time. Yeah, and I think they've made a commitment. I mean clearly the, the overall numbers of people that are, that are listening – uh, live versus on demand are dramatically different. Um, you know, f- far more people are listening on demand, but it is a commitment. You know, like I, I, I would come in and listen or watch your live shows, and I would stay for the whole thing. I wouldn't turn it off. And but I think w- when you have the power to be able to start and stop, uh, I think people tend to, you know, take advantage of that. And, yeah, you also have to think yeah. about how how you listen to on demand content, right? Like I, I do, I have a consulting uh, gig that I do once a week in the city, and I will I'll download a podcast or you know I'll get it on an app and I'll listen to it, and then I'll stop it once I get to my destination. Or if I go in the subway and if I'm live streaming it, you know I'm, I'm on uh, I'm using an app and I'm streaming it, I'll stop it because uh, you know I won't be able to pick up the service in the subway. Or, you know, I'll get a phone call and I'll have to stop it. So there's, there's more of a distraction with on-demand content. You have more of an ability to stop and go, stop and go. Where live, if you pause it, guess what? You're going you're gonna to miss out on whatever happened. Yeah, that is, that is so true. And, but, you know, I was going to give a little bit of that. About 72% of total, sp- total time spent listening is on-demand. So that's 72%. So... You, you can see, and that's not a big surprise, right? Um, that most people, this is an on-demand world that we live in mostly, um, and and we we did see an increase of about one percent um, on women um, con- consuming audio content um, on the 
platform, and that also dovetails to what we see in the, the Edison research, which is showing about 50-50 male and female. Um, um, so we finally, Andrew, we finally got women involved in podcasting from a content producing standpoint as well as listening. I think it's yeah, I've seen a huge, I've seen a huge trend in content production. You know, more content creators. Uh, I've seen a huge upswing in, in female content creators, uh, and I think this this concept that it was a boys' club, it's kind of slowly changing now. Uh, yeah. And also, content is available for everybody now. You know, it's not just technology and comedy podcasts out there. There's a there's a podcast for everything you could imagine. So you're gonna the demo is gonna shift big time as as this becomes more of a mainstream. Uh, source for content rather than it being being you know the mm-hmm. the the people in the in crowd knowing how to get it and where to get it yeah and and one other last part here and and we'll, we'll move on to the next segment of the of the show but um the u.s obviously is in first place in the speaker community for for consuming content but what what, what was interesting is that the country of italy um comes in second uh in total um spent time listening um to 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 the platform and and the number of plays and then spain comes in uh next as far as around the the number of downloads so europe is is finds a place out there now now podcasting is is a little bit kind of in its still early days in in europe and around the the world but uh but i think it's growing i mean more and more we're, we're seeing consumption coming out of China and a lot of the the major countries around the world that have huge huge populations. So, I'm curious what, of what what kind of content they're listening from from what region? Are they listening to northeastern based content, UK based content or, or are they listening to, you know, uh yeah. content that that's homegrown in Italy or or Spain or whatever country, you know, that we're talking about? Well, I think a lot of this is really based on English um, content. So you're seeing a lot of a lot of consumption of English podcasts in countries around the world. Um, but on the content production side coming out of these countries, they tend to be in the the native language. So they don't typically reach the other way quite as well because there's not a lot of, you know, other language speakers in the US and the English countries. It's pretty much dominated by by English. So yeah. And, and a lot of people around the world, English is a second language, not their primary language. So you kind of have that whole dynamic as well. So uh, so anyway, we're going to move on and we're going to play. I'm, I'm going to play a conversation that I had with our speaker CEO, Francesco Brescheri, uh, who is going to talk about his experience in a panel in Barcelona, Spain, um, and what he learned from that panel, uh, one of the the panels on there was the producer of the ser- of the series Serial. So let me go ahead and play that, and we will be right back for the the last part of the show. Francesco, thank you for joining me on the Speaker Live Show. Thank you, Rob, for having me. That's great. I wanted to talk with you about a recent panel that you were on back in uh, Barcelona, Spain, I believe. Uh, it was the, the Gen Summit uh, where you were a panelist on, uh, on a group of, uh, of folks that are involved in the audio side of uh, you know, podcasting and, and just kind of, kind of radio journalism. The, the topic of the panel was the next generation of audio storytelling, which was really, really interesting if you have in the context of um, the success of Serial. Well, why don't you give us a little bit of background on, I mean, who was on that panel and, and kind of what the, 
the feel of the panel was and the direction of the panel. And I have this, you made a blog post um, that kind of outlined all the things that you kind of learned from that and talking to a lot of people. But if you could kind of give us, kind of kind of set it up for us a little bit here. Yeah, sure. So first, a little bit of background. The Summit is like the annual uh, summit of the uh, this group called the Global Editor Networks. Let's say it's a bunch of, of uh, people working in journalism or, or in the news, and they get together every year with a specific theme um, for a conference to discuss the effect of technology on, on journalism. Podcasting now is uh, very fashionable, so they also had a, a couple of sessions on podcasting. And so I got invited um, to speak at this panel, and the moderator of the panel was Mark Rock. Uh, Mark is the founder of uh, Adio, and before that he founded uh, Audioboom. Um, well, at the time it was called Audioboo, and now it's, uh, they, they changed the name in uh, Audioboom. I don't think there's... Also, there was uh, Siobhan McHugh. I'm, I'm sorry if I don't pronounce her name correctly. It's a Gaelic name. I found it out. And uh, Siobhan, well, she's a journalist uh, and uh, a professor at the university uh, in Australia. And she has a background uh, in... Uh, in audio, of course, she's also the founding editor of a, of a magazine called Radio Doc Review, where they, uh, they do uh, reviews of uh, radio documentaries. And, of course, the star, the star of the panel was uh, Dana Chivis, the producer of Serial. She was literally the star of the panel. Everyone was very eager to hear from her some backgrounds of uh, what they expected, how, how this got started, uh, how they were able to create such a massive uh, success and, uh, and, and a great brand. And also, if possible, some anticipations on the next season, uh, which uh, she didn't give. I mean, she was not uh, allowed to talk about it. So uh, that, that was the only bummer. <laughs> but everything else was super interesting. So we discussed trying and, and take, took the storytelling angle on in the panel, because the title of the panel was just the next generation of audio storytelling, trying to convince the audience uh, oh, this is a great media to, to experiment with. So the panel itself was, was interesting, but to me it was also uh, really interesting what happened uh, before and after the panel when I had uh, the chance to um, steal some, some knowledge from my fellow panelists. Yeah, and uh, and so I decided to write a blog post about the the whole experience, and I posted it on on the Spreaker blog. Yeah, and that's at uh, uh, blog.spreaker.com. The serial strategy and the the experience of um, came from TV storytelling of all things. So, which makes a lot of sense. You know, there's a lot of tricks of the trade, as they say, to to telling a story. And television and movies have kind of perfected that. And I guess she came from that background. Is there any what kind of feel or flavor did you get from her conversation about that part of things? Uh, that was um, an eye-opener for me. I, I really uh, hadn't thought about it uh, as specifically as, as mm -hmm. she, she mentioned. I mean, she just said, okay, we sat down and we, we decided that we were going to do something totally similar or totally along the line of a TV series without video, without images. So we need to create the same uh, feeling in the in the audience that they have when they uh, watch a TV show. They they just built the the whole season one and I mean the whole format based on that. Um, I didn't think 
of it uh, in the first place, probably because we are so used to a particular format of storytelling that mm -hmm. we just take it for granted. Not, not many people in the audio space that, that actually are trying to copy what uh, TV does. Mm -hmm. And uh, she played a, um, a snippet of sound during the panel, uh, and this uh, piece of sound was just the intro uh, to an episode. I don't remember what episode it was, probably... Yeah, well, let's uh, let, let, let's actually play that clip so so people listening to this can can hear what you're talking about here. Previously on Serial, I think like the odds of you getting the charming sociopath, you're just not that lucky. So, but with, with Jay, it was more so kind of like I don't know. In my mind, I was kind of like maybe the police are putting him up to this. I said, "What was your involvement? Were you involved?" And he said, "No." Before. You stated that you'd be willing to take us out and show us where the vehicle's parked. No problem. Uh, are you still willing to do that? Yes. This is a Global Telling prepaid call from Adnan Sayed. An inmate at the Maryland Correctional Facility. This call will be recorded and monitored. So, Francesco, it's really interesting because um, I can appreciate what it takes to to do that kind of um, fading in, fading out, uh, layering, like you mentioned here, the splicing and dicing of an audio format. These folks obviously have a team that uh, works on this to to get the audio to to flow like that and to cross layer and fade and all this kind of thing. It's a very complex editing project, uh, and that's that's the secret sauce. I, I would have to say of of Serial and quite a few other programs. I mean, like uh, Radio Lab is another one. Uh, this American Life plays with a lot of these same kind of techniques as well, and it's complicated. It's not something that's easy for anyone to actually do. Yeah, I think they they got right a lot of stuff. They were able to create this really uh, engaging audio uh, feel and atmosphere. Mm -hmm. And uh, the great part about a podcast and serial specifically is that you, well. At least in my case, I, I used to listen to Serial with my headphones. Mm -hmm. And uh, you really appreciate the, the quality and, the, and, and well, the, the sound, the background music, and the, the audio atmosphere gives you thrills. We spent a lot of time with, with Dana trying to, to figuring out what, I mean, how the whole project got started. Yeah, they, they literally started, she said, 18 months before the, the end of season one. So it, it's been... Uh, a year and a half of continuous work just to produce 12 episodes. So there's, uh, there's a lot of work involved with this. There's a lot of journalistic work, and they, they literally spent hours and hours taping conversation with, with a lot of different individuals. But Dana herself spent hours and hours digging into archives. So th there was a lot of, of boring stuff um, mm -hmm. going on here. And the final product is just 8.5 hours long if you play all 12 episodes uh, one after another. So, I mean, there's there's a lot of man hours that go into a single man hour of, of uh, the finished serial product. Yeah. Uh, so, of course, audio production, but journalism. Um, just just to, to mention this, there, there were a lot of people getting back uh, to Dana because um as you as you probably know Serial has parked a lot of uh, copycats mm -hmm. and uh, everyone is discussing the 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 blunders that that went on during the trial 
but also the, the blunders that went on during the, the, the season of Syria itself. And uh, this is kind of funny because one of the, the things that they were uh, told most frequently was, oh, you didn't disclose all the information you had. <laughs> you didn't say it all because if you had told the whole story, then it would be, uh, would be obvious to a lot of people that the, the solution is this or is different. Well, what she said is that, of course, we didn't tell all, all the information that we had because it's too much. I mean, it's uh, the, the whole point of creating a, uh, a piece of journalism is knowing what to say, but also what not to say because it's, uh, it doesn't add anything to the story or it's mm-hmm. frankly boring. I mean, they probably played uh, all over less than a hour. Yeah, maybe 40 minutes, 45 minutes of conversation with Adnan Sayed during the whole season. Uh, so there's a lot of, of uh, selection process involved. And uh, well, if you want to, to get out with the product of such, such a quality, you, you need to throw away a lot of, uh, of waste and a lot of byproducts, right? Yeah. No, I mean, I can, I can totally see that. I mean, 42 hours of audio, you have to, and you're trying to get down to, you know, a, a relatively short episode. You, you have to take what the, what the nuggets are and you have to kind of like... Um, you have to, I mean, really, telling a story is taking pieces of information and and piecing them together, and that's 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 what those producers have to do is that they they have to listen to all of it, pull out you know kind of like time ranges of little bits of information that's shared and stitch it together, and that's that's where the work comes in is physically doing it. Plus, it's also locating it, and then being able to tell a story in a way that's compelling. The story is what's important. And it's really yeah, the background to this yeah. to this point in the blog was that um, Siobhan, I think that she said this. Uh, she listens to a lot of audio, and she tried to listen to the sequel, like unofficial sequel of Serial, mm-hmm. and she found it terrible. I mean, just the lawyer uh, <laughs> with no production, uh, just mm, telling a long list of boring facts and evidence. I mean, just. And even though this might be really interesting for like the few people written to this, or probably for a, a bunch of lawyers, uh, it's not interesting for the general public. So the story is important, but it's mostly about the way you tell the story, right? That, mm-hmm. that creates success with the audience. There was another kind of connection that you made in your blog post too, podcast that you referred to called The Truth. Its producers refer to it as a a movie for your ears, uh, and they do a, do a great job of that. I, I listened to it, and I actually took a clip from it that I'm going to play for everybody. And, and I thought what was really interesting about the, the kind of the, the host of this show is he, is he led into the, the audio piece that he was going to um, air in this episode was that he cautioned people that had um, any kind of mental disorders um, that you probably don't want to listen to this because of the subliminal messages that were played in this that that gave it the the kind of depth and complexity, which I thought were really, really interesting. So I wanted to play that clip just to give a, give a little context here. Let's play that, and then we can talk about it a little bit more. For this one, I'll just say um, it gets kind of intense in places. I'm not going to say too much more. I don't want to give away the story. But um, if you're schizophrenic or you suffer from depression, uh, you probably want to skip this one. Okay, uh, here we go. This is called You're Not Alone. You're not alone. Jared. Jared. 
I thought that that was really, really kind of um, different. I don't believe that I've ever heard um, audio produced like that before, um, kind of and they are, vocally These are presented. all different episodes. Like, there's yeah. not a storyline. Like, mini clips or mini stories, uh, yeah. all very different, one from another. Uh-huh. But it, it feels like you heard them already. Um, you mentioned I've never heard some, this kind of audio production. Uh, probably not in, not in audio, but... Um, at the movies or mm-hmm. in TV, well, I assure you, you've, you've listened to it a lot of time. Maybe you're, you're focusing on the images, but the, the fact that it's actually the audio part and the voice and the music that is conveying you the emotions, it, um, it, it's the truth at the end. And, and they're basically doing the same stuff that the serial did, uh, borrowing uh, pages from other media where mm-hmm. there's audio, but it's not the... Um, it, it's not the main component, or actually, it's kind of in disguise. Uh, but I think the point here is that uh, these do work great uh, if you listen to them in your headphones, or if you listen uh, to them in a quiet environment, like when you're watching a movie, right? And the storyline of, of a movie is, is unfolding, like of a very emotional moving movie. You uh, you don't have the same experience. My point here was, uh, okay, we, we are experiencing this renaissance of podcast and everyone is trying to do this kind of audio production. Um, everyone think this is what podcasts are, are meant to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, my point is, uh, well, not exactly. These things work great because the way we consume podcasts today is uh, on, on our mobile phones through the headphones. But if you think at all the other uh, places where we consume audio. My my point at the end is not everyone needs to uh, compete with serial or the truth in, in terms of production uh, because I, I, I would personally never listen to 
serial or the truth when I'm not 100% committed to just doing that, period. Yeah. And, and not doing anything else. But I want to listen to audio whenever I'm, um, I'm having a, a long commute and driving or when I'm doing something else and, and, and I need to, to listen to something, right? Mm-hmm. Again, I think yeah. we're going to see a lot of different formats evolve in podcasting, uh, which means that podcasting is not a synonym for, for serial or the truth. Uh, yeah. These are just two very specific types of, of uh, creation that today are very successful because uh, what's, I don't know what's going to happen in five years' time, but it, I, I'm sure it's going to be much more diverse. Yeah, and it's, well, I mean, podcasting has always been really, really diverse in its content mix because you're exactly right. I mean, a lot of people like to consume different kinds of content in different types of situations and they have different interests too. I mean, and then another point that you made in the next kind of um, point is get out of the studio. Um, You know, get um, in very early in the podcasting space, um, there were many podcasts that came about very early in the space that were what was called soundscapes. They were basically audio podcasts that were done outdoors or outside or in in environments that were public or trying to present the 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 real world um, in audio, right? Playing the background sounds. And I've done some of that, playing around with that kind of format, you know, in my own shows in the past where I kind of get out of the house and I have a portable recorder that picks up every sound. I mean, a lot of the things of these condenser microphones that are available out there um, will pick up all sounds around you. So you can create these like these soundscape opportunities, um, which I think are really, really interesting. Yeah, I mean, the, the point was, again, Siobhan made, made this point really clear. Um, she listened to a lot of uh, NPR shows uh, on a two or three days road trip through the U.S., the Western U.S. Mm-hmm. And uh, at the beginning, it's fascinating because um, the, the production quality is obviously very, very high. But after a while, they all sound the same. Yeah. So she said, if you have an opportunity to make uh, your story more impactful, uh, why don't you take it? That that kind of leads into the next uh, point that you were making around um, audio is the key to emotion. We were uh, listening to the example of the Truth podcast earlier, and they're doing this um, very, very well. So what, what really uh, leads emotions in, in the production is, is audio. But this is, on one side, was the, the easiest part to figure out. The The other uh, point that I was trying to make in this blog post and actually something that, uh, again, Siobhan said, was that it also works the other way around. Um, when you are interviewing people that went through something uh, very um, stressful or um, something terrible in, in their life, uh, think of uh, uh, women being raped in a, in a war zone or, or something like that a camera or pointing a camera to, to their face feels very invasive, even if the, the mm-hmm. person want to, to tell their story. Uh, well, if you just have a microphone and, and record their voice, you can come up with something which is really, really emotional on, on the listener side, as we said, but you can also get them to, to open more because it doesn't feel that intrusive. Mm-hmm. And this was a point made for, for the journalist, uh, 
telling them, hey, you know, you can you can get better stories or stories that feel more impactful if you just forget video and go with audio only. How they look becomes less of a factor too, right? The, yeah. You know, how old they are, what their what their clothing clothing look like. I think a lot of people can get caught up in that and that, that makes them nervous as well. So if you can get them to calm down and relax and be their their natural selves, I, I think it, it, it really um, makes for a lot better content and audio does a great job of that. Um, no question about it. We should probably talk a little bit about uh, uh, your next uh, point here too is the ideal audio duration. I know we talked a little bit about this before we started recording too, but why don't you go ahead and kind of set it up for us about uh, what you found out from these guys? Well, this uh, this was actually a, a question by the audience, um, mm-hmm. and this comes up pretty frequently. Uh, the, the first one to answer this question was uh, was Dana, and, and she said, oh, you know, uh, with the podcast, with Serial, we didn't have any constraints. Some episodes are 45 minutes long, some other are uh, one hour and a few minutes, they're all around uh, about one hour. We don't have that many constraints. And we're able to get uh, millions of people to commit to 8.5 hours. So uh, her point was, well, as long as the, the content is um, interesting enough, uh, you, 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 there's no limit, basically. Well, Francesco, I think it was uh, great, you know, your your conversation with us here and, and kind of running through this, this experience that you had uh, on this panel. And I, th- I appreciate you coming on and sharing all this. It was my pleasure, Rob. Yeah. Well, thank you. All right. Well, we're, we're, we're back. That was a great uh, talk that I had with Francesco. He really um, made a study of this whole experience that he had on, on the, the effect of cereal and what it took to actually produce that that series and what the implications are for for podcasters just in general I, at a great time. Well, Andrew, you're still on the line with us. I am. No, I I, I really enjoy that interview because um, I, I I anticipate more podcasts with the production value of Serial uh, to come kind of come into play in the next year or two. Um, there's something to be said about storytelling. You know, uh, talk radio is one thing. What we do is kind of similar to talk radio, but to actually put that production value into a story and make it all about audio is amazing. Yeah, it is. And and there are I think there are techniques that everyday podcasters can can use and I'm I'm trying to do it a little bit by by, by playing, you know, uh, kind of clips uh from uh, that help give context to what I'm talking about. I certainly don't have the complexity of the editing and the fading in and out that that you typically see in these these shows, but it would be it does get you thinking about maybe a different way of producing, you know, shows like we do, right? That could be done in a storytelling way. Um, Absolutely, but it is a lot of work. It's not actually an easy thing to do. So, but let's let's move on. I've got a a comment that I got from a Spreaker podcaster, Jim Collison, who's a co-host uh, with David Jackson, who was on the the show on the Speaker Live show last week with me. And he does a, a show, a live show Saturday mornings called Ask a Podcast Coach. Uh, I believe it's uh, 1030 Central Time um, every Saturday morning. He does that, that live talking about podcasting. And, and Jim basically wrote um, here, um, I binge listened to the Speaker Live show this week. And it, it, as I was driving for 10 hours, 
um, back east. Uh, he, he said, good stuff. Love to see how you've gotten more comfortable. And he's referring to me um, doing each show as it progresses. I'm, I, I am definitely evolving the, 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 the format here. And I, and he says, I see that you're trying different hosts and guests and trying to do a different mix. So every, every show is a, just a little bit different. And he says he loves it and he's subscribing to it. And one, su one suggestion that he gave to me was, uh, would I be willing to um, cover more exclusive Spreaker content? Um, that would be content that has to do with kind of behind the scenes of what's happening at Spreaker from a maybe a services perspective. Uh, you know what you know future developments. Uh, you know conversations with insiders, which I think we've done a little bit this week with uh, Francesco coming in. Uh, he didn't talk specifically about Spreaker, which I will have him come in and and, and share details about um, what what we're doing around you know our new applications that we're working on. There, there's two major apps that we're working on right now that that will improve the overall usage of the platform. So and then Jim does does two podcasts. Uh, he does a podcast called The Average Guy, and I guess that's his personal show that he does. Uh, and that's that's available on Spreaker, and th th and he also does a show called Gallup Strengths Center, and I guess it's his work show that he does for his work. So definitely go go check out those podcasts. And uh, Jim, thank you for the comment. I, I certainly appreciate it. And Andrew, I wanted to say thank you for uh, for spending the last fifty three minutes with me <laughs> on this uh, this live show. I had a great time, Rob. Anytime you let me know. Okay, well, thank you. I appreciate it, and and it's been, you know, time goes by so fast, you know, when, when we do this, and I'm sure that that's been your experience. Every show that you do, so you do four. Was it four live shows a week, Andrew? I'm doing four or five live shows. Yeah, I'm I'm on the air um, uh, Tuesdays and Thursdays and Fridays for, and they're long days. You know, I'm doing you know four hours, five hours on the air straight. So uh, they take a toll on you after a while of being on the air. Yes, I was going to say. I mean, that's 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 a lot of talking to do every week. <laughs> yeah, you know, I have the gift of gab, I guess. You know, I could I could sit there and talk about anything for a long period of time. Well, what what once you tell us just quickly each of those shows that you do? I know you do a show called What the Tech with Paul Thorat, which I'm a big fan of. I've been following Paul for a long time, but but yeah, once you run through some of the other shows that you do. Yeah, so I do uh, What the Tech with Paul, and then we do, we do a bonus show called What the Talk, where Paul and I talk about pretty much anything. It, it's a, it's a free-for-all of sorts. Uh, I do a show called Tech News Weekly on Fridays. It's a tech uh, wrap-up show. Uh, I do a show called Matt Men. It's a professional wrestling-based show, and then I do the free-for-all on Friday nights, which is uh, we take phone calls and we talk about anything that's happening in our uh, personal lives. Oh, awesome. Yeah. That's that's great, and all those shows are currently available on on Spreaker as well. So if you want, they are to, to yeah, they're they're all on Spreaker. Yeah, um, plus plus more, plus everything else that we have. Yeah, and on the Spreaker app that you can get in um, iOS, Android, and Windows Phone, actually. So th there's actually a listening app on Windows Phone for all those rare Windows Phone users out there. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah. Uh, tell your friends about Spreaker Live Show, um, and if you have a comment for me, like I said, send it to rob at spreaker.com. 
Uh, and if you have an issue with the platform, uh, send a, an email uh, to support at Spreaker.com and tweet about the show if you can. That would be great. And use the hashtag Spreaker Live. And, and Andrew, thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate it. And I want to thank you, the listener, for spending time with us on this show, whether it's the live stream or the on-demand podcast. I, I appreciate it. And, uh, and, and tune in next week. Uh, we'll be back uh, Wednesday at uh, 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 Eastern. And, uh, and thank you very much. 